What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome back. And if this is the first time that you are listening to the show, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And for all of you who have been leaving these amazing reviews, thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, I just am so grateful to be doing this work. Now, this week, I am especially excited to share our guest with you. His name is James Templeton, and he is the founder of the Templeton Wellness Foundation. He's also the author of the new book, I Used to Have Cancer. And this is an interview, I think it's really more of me just holding space for him to share his story. He is such an incredible storyteller, and so that's really what you're going to get today. He's telling the story of how he was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 cancer, Um, how he went through the traditional route, chemo, radiation, surgery, you know, everything that Western medicine recommends, um, and how that wasn't working for him. His body was actually not responding. It was actually breaking down even worse. And so he had a moment where he's in the hospital, and I don't want to share this whole story because he tells it so well, but there's a turning point, and he asks for help, and it comes, and he he goes home and, and... changes his entire life. And from that healing experience is changing others' lives uh, through his foundation, through the book. And many of you know, some of you may not know, my sister, older sister, has cancer as well. And she is fighting like hell right now uh, with this horrible disease. And so I was just honored to hold this space for James and to have him on the show to talk about something that I know touches so many people. And if you're listening to this, it probably is touching you in some facet, whether it's someone you love or someone that you've known or lost has gone through this. So that's really why I'm doing a show like this this week. Um, it's just to hold space and to get this information out. So if you are facing cancer or someone that you love is facing cancer, just giving you as much information as possible. You know, there are many, many things that we have uh, in our arsenals that we can use. And many people have no idea that food plays such an important part and belief plays such an important part in our healing and our survival. And so that's really my goal for this week. Um, again, if you find any value out of the show, please take five seconds to leave us a review and uh, definitely share it out because this is important and more people who are going through this need to hear it as well. So enjoy. Well, hello, James. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you about this topic. This is something that is affecting really everyone in some way, some manner, some form. So why don't we start at the very beginning? Take us back to the original beginning of your journey and how it propelled you into doing the work that you're doing now. Well, Liz, it's great to be with you today, and and uh, I am a Texan. You can probably tell from my little bit of my Texas draw that I've got left, but uh, I was living in Texas and north of Houston, Texas, and I had several very successful small businesses. Everything was going really well for me, and I was married, and I had a beautiful wife and a beautiful baby daughter that wasn't even two years old and I guess you could say I had life by the tail everything was going good for me I was very ambitious I had uh, you know a a lot of uh, things I was looking forward to and I was even in tremendous uh, physical fitness shape I was a runner I was I worked out in the gym you know several times a week and I ran up to 60 miles a week most weeks and I was one of these guys that you'd see running down the highway, you know, when you're driving through town, you say, what's that guy doing today? He's always running everywhere. We see this guy, he's out running. So I was that guy that got into running because my father, my grandfather, both died of heart disease at a very young age. My uh, father was 46 and my grandfather was 36 and my, they just fell over with a heart attack and, and uh, died, and I never knew my grandfather, but I know that uh, that's how he died, basically. And my mother died before I was two, and, you know, I had a lot, lost that, but I never knew my mother, really. So, you know, when you're that young, you don't remember. And then I had a brother that died at the age of eight. So I had all this death in my family, and I don't know. I think that I must have thought that I was going to be the next one, so if I didn't get myself straightened out and get into some kind of uh, good health and good shape, 
So I got into running and there was a guy back in those days and this was in the 1980s and there was a guy and his name was Jim Fix and Jim Fix was this running guru. He was a physical fitness guy that got into running because his father died of a heart attack at the age of 35 and Jim was the kind of guy that thought he could go out and eat fast food and do anything he wanted as long as he ran and he wrote a book on the complete book of running and he thought that hey you know if if i keep up with this physical fitness thing and run then i can sidestep the heart heart disease that my father died of so i thought i was doing the right thing because if it worked for him why wouldn't it work for me right i'm that kind of guy so one day i i went into the office and i sat down in my office there in town, I lived out on a farm, so I I would go into the office every day, and I grabbed the morning newspaper, and uh, I looked at that paper, and the headline said, Jim Fix, running guru, dies of heart attack while running, mm. and I guess they found him on the side of the road. The guy was out jogging, and when I saw that, I literally was shocked, and I probably almost fell out of my chair. And I just didn't know what to do. I thought, my gosh, how could this happen to this guy? This is the guy that's doing all the things that I think, think, you know, I should do. Maybe I better rethink everything. Maybe I better go get a uh, real checkup or something like that. So I went in and I got uh, one of these cardio stress tests and, uh, you know, the kind where they get you on a treadmill and they get you to go on and the faster the thing, you know, they check, you got all you wired up with all these, these wires and they're checking your heart out and how it recovers and all that. So anyway, I got on there and this guy got it up really high and I was running like crazy on this thing. And he says, Oh my gosh, he was a specialist, you know, that did these kind of things, a doctor. And he says, my gosh, James, he says, you broke the record. No <laughs> one's ever done this. Well, you're in tremendous shape. He said, I know you came here to get your heart checked out, but he says, you know, you're in good shape. Your heart is tremendous shape. He says, I don't know what all you're doing, but he said, you better keep doing what you're doing because he says, you're going to go a long ways if you keep up this, the good work with this. He said, uh, you're the picture of health. And on the way out of the office, after this complete examination and from head to toe pretty much, he says to me, there's only one thing that I would be concerned about at all that you that you might want to look into. He says, there's a mole on your back. He said, that mole is probably nothing to worry about. It looks a little different than other moles. And he says, you know, I would just go to a dermatologist when you get a chance and have it checked out. He says, I'm sure there's nothing to it, but just get it checked out. Well, I didn't think much about it, so... What did I do? Well, a few weeks later, I thought, well, I guess I'll go get it checked out. And, you know, I thought he'd say, ah, nothing to it and send me on home. But when I got in there and the dermatologist says, take your shirt off and I'll be there in a second. I go, he comes in, he turns around, looks at my back, and it didn't take him long to say, my goodness, he says, I think you have melanoma hmm. right off the bat. I guess he'd seen it enough or, or, or knew it. Well, he's a dermatologist, but he, he got all excited. He started to get all excited and, you know, and, and, you know, was talking really loud and all this and, Oh my goodness, you know, you have melanoma. I think it's melanoma. He didn't know for sure, but he really thought it was. And he says, we might have to remove a large portion of your back tissue. He says, this could be very serious. This could, this, this stuff can be deadly like that. And he just started going on and on and on about it. And it scared the heck out of me, I'll tell you. Here I was, this guy thinking he had life by the tail. Now, huh, he's like this tall, you know, because he feels like he's just, just overcome with fear. And I was, of course, anybody would be. So the doctor went on to tell me, we got to really get in to check this out and probably do surgery right away and all this stuff. And I said, you know what? I'm going to think about this and I'll get back to you. And now a short break from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is the organic USA grown CBD line that I created with the intention of helping you, the listener, battle stress, anxiety, get better sleep, feel better, be your best self 
each and every day. You can purchase yours at motherhoodunstressed.com or at stores around the country. Because I didn't like his bedside manner. I didn't want to be there with a guy that sounded like he'd won the lottery or something, you know, and, and it scared me so bad. So I went home. I got home and I told my wife and I was shaking, you know, and I got in, got in the house and I told her, I said, Oh, you can't believe what's happened to me. And da, da, da. And she says, well, you need to really get another opinion. And, you know, I hadn't even thought I was just so out of it that she said, let's get you an appointment with another dermatologist. So that's what I did. So I'd been to a dermatologist several years before that. And this guy remembered me and I went in to see him and he says, Oh, it's, it it looks a little suspicious, but he's probably nothing to it. He said, my wife had melanoma, and uh, he said it was stage one melanoma, and she's never had any more problems. We removed it, and there was no problems, and, you know, we keep an eye on it, but it's fine. But he said, it's probably that if you do have it, so I wouldn't worry. But he said, just in case, I'm going to send you over to uh, one of my good friends that's a world-renowned oncologist. Mm-hmm. So an oncologist, you know, is a guy that would know all about these things. According to him, these, if you had to see someone, he's the guy. So I went on over, got an appointment, in, you know, immediately to see this guy. And he says, well, it looks suspicious to me also. But he said, the only way we're going to really know, we can talk about it all day, but is see exactly what it is. So let's get you here on this table and spread you out and uh, we'll, We'll just take it out right here in the office. So he took a, you know, a big plug out of my back, probably two inch square plug, kind of went down in pretty deep and they just really cut that tissue out. But he says, you know, uh, I'll get back to you in a few days and we'll see exactly what the lab says. So he says, don't worry, go home. Uh, just uh, there's nothing you can do at this point. Well, all I did was worry. I went home and all I did was worry. I couldn't sleep at night. I was walking around, you know, thinking about, you know, what what could happen to me next. And I I couldn't sleep. I was on pins and needles and and uh, I just was a wreck, a nervous wreck. And that was almost the worst part of it all, just not knowing. And uh, he calls me up, but it was almost two weeks later. So I'd been going through this and I was just about you know, ready to jump over the cliff, you know, but after, after two weeks. So he calls me up. He says, well, he says, James, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Mm. And he says, the good news, it's melanoma. And I'm like, good news, melanoma. He goes, but before you, you know, say anything, let me tell you why I think it's good news. He said, the good news is because we think we got it all around that perimeter area of that incision and that, that area of tissue he took out. He says, so I don't think there's any signs of melanoma around that. So I think we got it all. But he said, the bad news is that it is very deep. It was very deep. And he says, deep is, is uh, uh, not good. And we're going to call it stage four. Stage four melanoma and this is something they based on something called the clark scale of measurement with melanomas so he said stage four and this is something that we have to really keep an eye on because this tends to spread to other parts of the body and it can be very aggressive so we got to really keep an eye on this and hopefully we won't ever see this again you know, let's just think that way. And you know what? Go home. Uh, don't worry. Don't, don't, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing you can do other than come in every three months and I'll give, give you a checkup and we'll see if there's any issues and we'll deal with it then. But he said, don't worry. Just, just go back to your normal lifestyle. Well, how could I go back to my normal lifestyle? All I did was worry. This happy-go-lucky guy, this ambitious guy, this guy that that liked to get up in the morning, go to work, liked to go out and run, do all the things I did, didn't want to do any of that anymore. This was a guy that felt sorry for himself, instantly felt depressed, you know, just was not a happy camper, I guess you could say. And I wasn't fun to be around anymore because I was always a fun, loving guy, like to 
to you know go fishing and do all kinds of things and and i had i had a cattle a small cattle operation there at my home and uh you know i had to deal with that but i just wasn't in the mood to do anything so it started to create issues in my marriage my wife didn't like the new me um you know i was not a, a easy guy to be around and you know so she eventually you know moved out of the house and moved into town with my little girl so now i don't have a wife at home because she had left me and uh you know it was a not a good time for me because of what i was going through but after that i just almost gave up on life i almost felt like what's the use i'm probably going to die because i had heard from a doctor friend of mine that people that had what i had tended not to live more than three years or so wow. with stage four melanoma well here i was 32 years old and you know telling me that maybe i wouldn't live but three years if i'm lucky well that didn't sound good to me at all and i just uh you know didn't know what to do with myself but but long story short before i knew it i was taking a shower one morning and i found a lump in my growing area so I'm, I'm showering and I feel this, this, you know, nodule, this almost like a, a large marble. And I mean, I just came out of the blue and I'm feeling this and I'm like, oh my God, you know, you know, what is this? So I called the doctor up. The doctor says, you know, come on in and we'll check it out. So I went in, you know, I was upset and all that. And he says, well, it's probably nothing. It's probably just a little something and maybe you bumped into something or, you know, or whatever. It's a limp node that's a little irritated or something. So he said, but let's go in and let's check it out. Let's get some surgery. Look, put you in, uh, check you into surgery first thing in the morning. And he said, we'll probably just do a little incision. It probably won't be much to it, but if we find something, you know, then we'll go ahead and remove it. Well, I knew I was in trouble when I woke up because I had all these huge area bandages and, and I was laying there and I knew that wasn't good because I felt there and I went, Oh boy, this isn't just a little old biopsy, you know? So he comes in the doctor, the same doctor, this is the guy that I, the oncologist, he was a surgeon. He was, he was world renowned, you know, in his field. Uh, and he came in and he says, listen, he says, I'm sorry, but the cancer spread to your lymphatic system. Wow. He said, I'm so sorry but this is not what we wanted to see. But he said that it has. He says the the only thing I know to do is chemotherapy, experimental chemotherapy, and I want to do eighty chemotherapy treatments for you. He says we're going to do something called called uh, uh, hypothermia chemotherapy, and this is some they do that nowadays. But back then, you know, it was kind of new. And it was almost like a trial, you know, to see. And, and so they, they, he said, we'll elevate your temperature as high as we can without it basically doing me in. And then we'll induce the chemotherapy. And this will take, you know, eight to 10 hours each day. Wow. But first, you got to get over the surgery. You know, you got to recover okay. from this surgery. So you stay here in the hospital for two or three weeks. And then after that, we'll do the chemo while you're here. Then he says, the other thing you're going to need to do is where they removed all my lymph nodes on my right growing area. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of lymph nodes there. So what did they do? They just basically gutted me there, took everything out. So now I had to do something they call a lymph drainage pump to where I would have to elevate my leg up and they're going to drain. I mean, it's, that pump's going to like squeeze and drain this lymph back into my body because you're starting to lose and your legs swelled up and everything from all the, from all the lymph drainage. He says, if you don't use that, you know, several hours a day, then you could get lymphedema and we don't want you to get that because you could end up losing your leg. And he says, Thank we goodness. don't want that. So yeah. And he, he says, you've got to listen to me now. This is very important. So then he says to me, because I asked him, he didn't want to tell me this. I could tell. I said, what are my chances, doctor? You know, what, what do I have to look forward to here? What's my chances? And he says, well, you got about a 20% chance of surviving three to five years. 
He says, now that's if you can get through these 80 chemotherapy treatments. So in other words, you might not make it through these treatments because right. this is because this is every two months, five treatments every two months. Because it took that long to recover from five, you know, it just zapped me, you know. And so anyway, so that wasn't good news at all. So I'm laying there, I'm laying there in the hospital bed, and I'm feeling pretty low down, pretty, pretty, you know, depressed. I didn't know what was going to happen, but it didn't look good for me. And uh, this guy, again, that thought he had everything going for him, had lost a lot, and he was really failing fast. And I knew inside of me intuitively there had to be something else I could do, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know the things that I know now. I didn't, we didn't have the Internet and all the things that we have. We didn't have, you know, all these podcasts, like these wonderful uh, outlets for getting information. We didn't have that back then. But I didn't know, but I knew there had to be something else. And uh, I wasn't a really religious guy or anything, but I was a, I think I was a good person and everything, but I'm laying there and I'm really, really, really getting desperate, really desperate. And after this was a few days later and I'm laying there and I'm on morphine and all that and feeling really out of it. But I got a phone call, the phone rang and the phone call came from a minister of a church that I went to on a semi-regular basis. And he was a good guy. He was a guy that ran like me. He was older than me, but he was an ex-professional baseball player. And I looked up to him. He was a tough guy. He was a nice guy, but, you know, he was very, very uh, determined, you know, to, to, to get out there and run as much as he could and all that. And I looked up to him, but he calls me up and he says, James, he said, his name was Ron. He said, this is Ron. He says, I want you to know I've been praying for you. And he says, a lot of people in town are praying for you. I want you to know you're not all alone. We're thinking of you all the time, every day. I know that your, your condition is not that great. And I know that it doesn't look good to you. But he says, I want you to know something. You can beat this cancer. He said, you can do it if anybody can. He says to me, he says, you know how to push yourself. He says, you know what it takes when the going gets tough. You get up and you do something, and you're going to do that. I know you're going to do it. And he says, I, if there's anything I can do to help you, I, you know, I want you to know I'm here for you. But he went on to tell me, he says, I want you to fight like hell. And he says, I want you to beat this SOB and cancer. That's exactly what he said. He said it the other way. But, <laughs> you know, I sometimes don't say it because it's some people are a little might be offended. But he said, you beat this. And he told me, and it got my attention because I never heard him talk like that. Right. You know, and he was just this guy that was always up there, you know, uh, preaching and this and that in the church. And it was a large church. So I, I just never, you know, I, he just said it like he was like a coach in the locker room at halftime. Like you get out there and you get it done before they take you apart, you know. Right. So anyway, I got very very, very, you know, uh, I guess not excited, but I got very, it got my attention. And here I am thinking about that. And I said, I got to do something. You know, he's right. I can't lay here and feel sorry for myself anymore. There's got to be something else I can do. So I started to pray. I started to pray. I felt like, where else can I go? I don't know where else to go. So I started to pray to God you know, or the higher power, whatever anybody wants to think. But I started to pray, and I prayed hard. I prayed like, I don't know, I never prayed a lot, but I prayed like every cell in my body was asking for an answer. And I felt like I was almost out of my body. You know, it was this weird kind of feeling. I never felt like that. I don't think I've ever felt like that to this day, but I felt this strange, this energy field around. And, and this guy that came through the door, there was a guy that came through the door and he was a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in over seven years. Wow. And he walks through this hospital door. He's waving around these papers in his hand. He's telling me, he says, James, I heard you were in here. And he says, from one of our old buddies and at college, they heard about you in the hospital. And he said, I didn't know if I was doing the right thing, but I felt very 
drawn to come in and see you today. I was driving around the area, and uh, a friend of a friend of mine at the office, uh, we had a discussion the other day, and I mentioned this, your, you know, what was going on with you. He said, this friend brought me an article. It's a book review article, and it's about a guy that healed himself of cancer that used this diet lifestyle to heal himself of cancer. And uh, I just got excited because I knew that this book review, this article that he had in his hand was coming from the higher place Mm -hmm. that I had just gotten through asking desperately for an answer. And it came through that door through this friend of mine that I hadn't seen in seven and a half years or so. And uh, it was an article and I just knew I was going to do it. And I said, listen, I'm going to do this. And my friend says, well, you don't know anything about it yet. I said, I don't have to, but give it to me anyway. I want to read it. So I started to read this article and I read this article. It was about a guy and his name was Dirk Benedict. And Dirk Benedict was a guy that had been on TV. He was an actor, well-known actor on TV, on a TV show. He'd been in some movies also. But uh, you probably don't. This is before your time, I think. But his name was Dirk Benedict, and he was on a show called The A-Team. And The A-Team was a show they had. There was uh, people, Mr. T, and Mm -hmm. they were these these, uh, guys. And anyway, he was on this show. And, you know, the funny thing was, and I didn't even know it at the time because I just I knew of him on the show. They called him Face. But his real name on the show, you know, supposedly was Templeton Peck. Well, Templeton, my last name's Templeton. He's Templeton. Well, if that's not a sign, what right, is? Right. So here I'm getting this message and this this article and all this stuff. So I'm excited now because this guy used a macrobiotic diet uh, to heal himself in the lifestyle to heal himself. Well, I didn't know. I macrobiotic what the heck is macrobiotics (laughs) you know it sounded like some kind of machine or something you know so i had him my friend go out and get this book you know this 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 book that this book review talked about so he did he brought it back to me found it in a bookstore he brought it back to me later that day and i couldn't put it down i was so excited because it inspired me i could really relate to this guy he he and me were different but similar in many ways. And I really could relate to this guy and uh, I got very excited. So, uh, you know, I woke up the next morning excited with hope and I started to feel like, Hey, if it'll work for him, why won't it work for me? You know? And sometimes they say, go sleep on it and all that. Well, I, I already knew, but I slept on it and I even felt better about it. But the next morning I got another knock on the hospital door. And it was from the person that came through the door was my stepmother that basically raised me. Hmm. But she had gotten a book in the mail from a distant relative, and it was a book on vitamin C and cancer. And this was written, this book was written uh, by Linus Pauling, which was a pioneer in vitamin C research. And its book talked about people that had cancer that were like late stage cancer, basically terminal cancer patients that took high dose vitamin C. And when they did that, they tend to be around a lot longer than people that didn't take vitamin C. They, a lot of them even got well from taking high dose vitamin C. They uh, were taking orally and IV vitamin C. Well, I'd never heard of that. You know, I knew I'd heard of vitamin C, but, you know, you have to realize I didn't take any vitamins or anything. I didn't do any of that. I just, I ran all the time, but I didn't support myself properly. So, you know, I was eating a regular diet and, and not, not doing, doing the right things for my body, probably wearing myself down, you know, and, and not, not supporting myself. So, Anyway, I got excited because this was another thing I felt that would help me because if it would help these poor people that were dying, why wouldn't it help me? You know, I wasn't too far from dying myself probably. So why wouldn't it help me? So I got excited. Now I've got this diet and lifestyle and now I've got this vitamin C that I'm going to do and I'll do the chemo too because, hey, chemotherapy, you know, that's what you do, right? If you have cancer, that's what I thought. So 
I'll do it all. If a little's good, a lot's better. So what did I do? I made up a plan and I got very excited and I started to really feel some positive energy. I started to believe that there was a way for me to get well because before that I didn't. But the next day I'm laying there in the hospital bed and what happened? Guess what? I got another knock on the door and this was a guy that came through the door. Well, I didn't know who he was. He came through that door and he says, well, I'm so-and-so and I am the psychotherapist from the hospital. And I work with the cancer patients on this, in this cancer ward. This is one of these big cancer hospitals. Mm-hmm. He says, I heard you were depressed. I heard that you were down and out. And I thought that maybe I could come and give you some words of encouragement. Maybe we could sit down and have a conversation. I said, that's fine. But I want to ask you something right off the bat. Do you know of something called macrobiotics? He says to me, he says, hold on a second. He turns around. He starts going towards the door. I thought, well, I run him off. You know, I said the wrong thing. What had happened here? Liz, I thought, my gosh, this guy's, you know, so against everything else. He's scared to talk to me. But no, he went out. He went out to the door and he acted a little strange and he shut the door and he comes back over to my bed and he sits down by the bed and he says, I do know about macrobiotics, but he says, I'm not going to tell you anything that I know until you promise me right here that you will not tell a soul that I, we spoke of this. He said, I don't want to lose my job and my pension and retirement. I've been here 25 years. He said, they'll throw me out tomorrow if they find out that we had this conversation. He said, so will you promise me that? And I said, oh, well, yeah. You know, and now I'm really thinking I'm on to something, right? Because mm-hmm. this guy is going to tell me something. And he's acting in secret. There must be really something to this whole thing that I've discovered. So he went on to tell me he'd heard a lot of good things. He told me that uh, people had done very well on this diet and lifestyle and that it had helped people. A lot of people even got well from the cancer using this diet and lifestyle. Well, I thought to myself, well, you know, this confirms what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And he says to me, he says, there's, but there's one thing. He says, if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. There's a right way and a wrong way. You can't halfway do it. You got to do it all out or not at all. He said the people that do well, they really stick with it. They don't try to hit and miss. It's all about doing it and staying with it and 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 uh, on a regular daily basis. He said, I tried it. I couldn't stick with it. It's too much work for me. He said, it takes a lot of time. But he said the benefits are there if you can stick with it. So I got very excited and I said to myself, well, if, if I can't do it, nobody can. You know, I'm going to do it. So anyway, I got so excited. This guy left. Now I felt like, you know, when something like that happens, you really think that this, that, that it's even bigger than you even thought. Mm-hmm. So, and I was looking so hard. So now I'm very, very, very excited. So a long story short, I ended up doing five chemotherapy treatments, you know, at the end of that hospital stay, and that was terrible. It was terrible stuff. They elevated my temperature uh, as high as he could. They had to put weighted blankets over me. I was shaking like a jumping beam in the bed. And then they would, you know, do an IV of uh, this this uh, chemotherapy after they would elevate the temperature and uh, really get you going. And then they would do that. So this went on for a long time. But but it made me so sick. It was so I was miserable and I was losing a lot of weight and all that. But but anyway, I got out of the hospital. I went home, started to get into this macrobiotic lifestyle as best I could. I'm still recovering right. and trying to do everything I could. But by I started to feel better, though, started to feel better pretty, pretty quickly after about, you know, uh, a month or two. I could see that it, something was working. I didn't start the vitamin C yet. I wasn't on that yet, but I was going to do it. But now it was time to go back to the hospital to do that other five, the next five treatments. 
because you know two months just kind of went by like that mm-hmm. and it's a long story it's all in my book i used to have cancer yeah we don't want to tell the whole book <laughs> no so it's a it's a lot of stuff so what happened is is i went back into that hospital to get those treatments and my body wasn't responding the doctor came in and says the reason you're so sick because i was really sick and he says you're not responding the way we had hoped and he says to me he says uh you know that's why you're getting so sick. And I said, well, isn't there something else I can do? He says, well, there's nothing else you can do. I said, well, what would you do if it was your son or daughter? He goes, I'd do the same thing. Mm. And I said, well, what about a diet and lifestyle and vitamin C, things like that? Can't that help me? He goes, ah, no, that stuff can help. So I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's taking all everything I'm hopeful about away from me. And I said, well, doctor, I could end up dying in here, you know, from this chemotherapy. Because every night somebody would they'd wheel somebody down the hallway that died, and they didn't die from the cancer. They died from pneumonia mm-hmm. and things like that because of the low immunity. Right. So anyway, I said to him that, and he says to me, he says, well, we're all going to die someday, just like that to me. And I could not believe this. Wow. This same doctor that the whole, this big shot doctor, told me that well you know what i did i raised up in the hospital bed and i was sick really weak and sick and i said to him listen here you sob i said it to him the other way just like the other guy (laughs) and i said if i could get out of this bed i would tear you apart that's what i said to him i said to him and you know what he did he turned around and went out the door like he'd seen a ghost and you know what i never saw him ever again after that wow never saw that guy again because Two nights later, I basically made up my mind that I had enough of that, didn't want to take my chances any longer of doing this stuff. And I felt like that it was going to maybe do me in like some of those other people. And I didn't want to wait and see what was going to happen. So you know what I did? I snuck out of the hospital at two in the morning. What? I got up, put on my clothes. I was so weak. I mean, sick, nauseous, couldn't eat. But I said, I'm out of here. So I snuck down the hallway, down the stairs, went out, got in my car that had been sitting in the parking lot, drove out of there, and I never looked back. And that's been 30, 33 years ago almost. So, you know, and and here I am, this guy. They say there's nothing else they can do basically for me other than that. And I wasn't responding so I wasn't going to wait to see what was going to happen. So I got out of there and I started doing this macrobiotic diet, like, like, you know, 150%, you know, to the T. And I said to myself right then, when I left that hospital, I'm going all out. I'm not going to cut any corners and I'm going to, uh, you know, fight like I've never fought before. As far as sticking with this diet, lifestyle, vitamin C, I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can to to get well. And if it doesn't work for me, it's not going to work for anybody. And I can't can't stress that enough, that kind of attitude. But what I said then was, you know, uh, I'm going to set the example. I am going to be the guy that says that he's going to be a hero in his own time and own life. And, you know, I just I just made up my mind to go to war and battle this thing. And I was going to feel good about myself no matter what happened. If I didn't survive, it wasn't because I didn't give it 150 percent. And I went and I changed everything, started reading everything I could, educating myself. Uh, it, It was just a great experience. It was a lot of work. And I did all my cooking the first for the first year. I that's the most crucial time. And I really, really uh, uh, did very well. After three months, I knew I was on the right track. I felt like a different person. And when I started taking all that vitamin C, because I was taking over 20,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C, which, you know, doesn't sound like that much to me. And it's a lot, but back then I never heard of anybody taking that kind of vitamin C and I was doing that. I mean, I still take a lot of vitamin C to this day, but I was doing the vitamin C and I cleaned up everything. And I was on this diet, you know, the macrobiotic diet, which I'm not really a strict macrobiotic diet person. Now I believe in the constant, the, you know, in the overall 
uh, concepts of it and the overall uh, diet. Uh, you know, the uh, the whole diet it was so healing for me. It was very detoxifying, and and there's a lot of good things. I don't know uh, if if uh, a lot of people might not know much about the macrobiotic diet. But the macrobiotic diet, you know, consists of about 50% whole grains. And this is organic, everything organic. They right. believe in organic, of course, 50% whole grains. And, and it's very, very, very detoxifying because of that. And it's also grains can act as a, as a prebiotic for, for probiotics, you know, for your good, good bacteria, which is, you know, uh, 80% of our immunity you know, our gut health. Exactly. So that's so important. And that's why one thing it works very well. It also consists of like 25% on a daily basis of your total diet is, is uh, vegetables. And most of them are cruciferous vegetables, which are anti-cancer, which are real cancer fighters. And uh, they, they're sulfur producing vegetables that help stimulate the glutathione in your body which is our, the mother of all antioxidants. Mm -hmm. They also consist of a lot of alien vegetables, which are like, you know, very high in cancer fighting properties. So there's such a very, very powerful uh, way of, of, of uh, building up your immunity with this diet. It also uses uh, miso soup on a regular basis. And the miso soup is, uh, very helpful because if it's done right and if it's the right quality, which you get the best of the, you have to use the best, but it builds up your intestinal flora also. And right. it's Is all also of this different parts of the diet. Is that all in your book as well? Everything's in the book. Okay. So it, it's so important that people understand that, you know, a diet like this is not it, you know, there's a lot of diets out there. I don't believe in one diet really. I just believe in there's certain non-negotiable things. Mm -hmm. So you want to get all the things out of your life, everything surrounding you that, that you can't do everything, but you got to really try to get everything you can out of your lifestyle around you that you're exposed to that are that cancer causing things. And you got to put everything you in that back in that helps to fight cancer because uh, you know, these foods and and I even eat seaweed, and seaweed's anti-cancer. And and uh, you know, I I don't eat that much grain now because it's a lot of the grain are high in certain heavy metals, and there's a, the grain that food's not what it used to be. There's a lot of arsenic and cadmium, you know, in a lot of the grains, and it's hard for some people to break down. But I believe, I mean, I eat some meat, and I eat, you know, but I think that people overdo. You know, regular American diet is too high in and red meat, too high in and 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 cheeses and dairy and and fatty foods and all that. So it's hard on the immune system, hard on our enzyme productions of our from our pancreas. So there's so many important things that you have to do. And I mean we can go on and on and on about the things that cause cancer and the things that you need to do, but but that's in a nutshell. Yeah. That's an incredible story. I mean, when you were talking about, you know, praying so hard and feeling like you were out of your body, like I felt that. And then what, 20 minutes later, you're getting all these signs like that's, that's incredible. And then I to actually stick to a diet. And I think, you know, obviously your life is on the line, so you're definitely motivated. Um, but to believe that this is actually helping and then to see the results of that, that's incredible. And I'm so excited that your book, is out in the world. Um, yeah. you not, you not only had a book, you also started a foundation. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, the foundation, the Templeton wellness foundation, I started that about, Oh, a year and a half ago, I guess you could say, got, got interested in it, you know, getting it going. And the reason I did that was because I got tired of seeing my friends, my family, my colleagues get cancer. And I'm at the age where people are getting cancer more and more, you know, than, than they did when I was younger. But it's getting to be to where almost one out of two people are going to get cancer in their lifetime. And I started to look at that, and I started to have these good friends of mine that were dying, 
And I just felt so bad, and I knew that I needed to do something uh, because a lot of people are very conventionally oriented, and I understand that, and no one's to to say that one thing's good or one's better. But, I, you know, of course, I, I did a little bit of both. So how can I say that, that one is better? But I feel like the reason that we get cancer in the first place is because of our lifestyle and our toxicity and our low immunity and all the things that are causing it. But I started this foundation because I wanted to help people and give back. And I interview people that have had late-stage cancer and, and people that have survived for 10 years or more, and they're doing well, they're thriving, many healthier than they've ever been in their life, pancreatic cancer, wow. I mean, which is, uh, you know, maybe 1% to 4% survival rate, you know, if you're lucky, you know. And most of the time, they just tell you to go home and get your affairs in order. But I've got people that have survived, and what did they do? They changed their lifestyle. They changed their diet. They changed their outlook. Uh, they got serious about it. They wanted to, to live. They made up their mind that they wanted to live. So I'm interviewing these people so that other people can listen to their example and see what they did. Hey, if it'll work for them, if it'll work for me, why won't it work for them? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I look at it. Just like me. I mean, it's easy to just say, you know, well, you know, but 50% of healing is believing in something. You know, when you don't believe or someone tells you you're going to die, you know, half the time you die before they tell you because you start to believe that. And so I started this foundation to give back. I also have a restaurant guide that we're working on. It's not totally complete. It never will be, but it's we're getting it, you know, fine tuned and all that. But I feel that a lot of people feel that when they get cancer, oh, I can't have any fun. I'm on a strict diet. I can't go anywhere. I can't vacation. Can't eat out. And I believe that if you are a person going through a cancer battle and you're trying to change your your ways and eat healthy, you got to eat at home most of the time because you can't. I mean, you just nothing is going to take to take the place of eating. Uh, you know, things at home that you can totally be in control of. But I believe that when you want to go out once or twice a week or whatever you need to do, if you travel, some people have to make a living. So I, I put together this guide of the healthiest restaurants in America and it's the Templeton list and it's part of the Templeton wellness uh, foundation. So it's, we're going to have more to say with that soon, real soon, but this is the things I'm doing with that, with this foundation. And, and I'm very excited about it because, you know, it, it, it is helping people. Yeah. It's an incredible resource. It's, it's a source of hope for people who yes. maybe feel hopeless and depressed like you did. It right. It's your right. story coming full circle. I love that. So if there were, if there were one thing that you wanted to leave, this is the last question with our audience, one great takeaway, what would that be? Well, I would say that if you have cancer, because that's what we're talking about, if you have cancer, you got to weigh the options. You got to find out right off the bat, you know, what are my chances? You know, when a doctor, you talk to your doctor, because most of us discover it through conventional medicine. And, hey, you know, what, what are my chances? You know, if you've got a 90% chance in their view of recovering, then maybe, you know, maybe that's the way you want to go. But, but if you got a 1% or 10% or 20%, Hey, you know, maybe you want to start looking at other things. And I just like people to know that there are things you can do that work. Uh, cancer is not something that just happens overnight. Cancer is something that, that sometimes takes 10 or 12 years and uh, to develop. And it's all about our lifestyle. And if we created this cancer, you know, we can sure, you know, uncreate it, you know. And I feel that there's so much you can do. And if I can do it, they can do it. Other people, then they can do it also. And I just feel that you never give up, uh, never accept the fact that, oh, you've got six months or a year to live. But, you know, it's up to the individual. But there are so many things that people can do nowadays and everything is in the book. I used to have cancer and I tell everything that I did back then and also my memoirs and my story, but I also tell everything I would do if I had to do it over because I've learned a lot over the last 30 plus years 
And so I just want people to know that, that there is hope. There is something out there that they can believe in that really does work. Absolutely. I love it. I'm picking up the book today. Honestly, this has been such a pleasure. This is just an incredible story for you to share. Thank you for sharing it with our audience and everything that you mentioned will be in the show notes. Of course, James, thank you so much. Thank you, Liz. It's been a pleasure being with you. You have been listening to the motherhood unstressed podcast and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so glad that you found the show. Um, If you would be so kind, take five seconds and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That's what notifies other people about the show and gets conversations like this out to more and more people. And I do truly believe in my heart that we are changing lives on this show and uplifting others. And that is everything. That is my purpose for being on this earth. So by you sharing and leaving a review, sharing on your Instagram, you are a part of that mission and that purpose. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Till next time.